There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com for a different view on Irish business. Hello and welcome to this week's Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com. Coming up in just a moment is this week's news, which includes debt forgiveness for SMEs. And later in the show, getting more women into technology and science. Why incoming tour operators think that this is going to be another good year for tourism. And John Trithoen from the Credit Review Office talks banks, small business and combating impressions. But first to this week's news with Alwyn Daw from Irish Business Intelligence and Brian Cleary from Clonmel Chamber. We start off this week, Brian, with a question of calories on menus. That's right, Keelan. Health experts are welcoming a new online calculator which will help Irish restaurants to put calorie totals on their menus. Now, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland's MenuCal was launched by the Health Minister James Riley this week and it's thought to be one of the first of its kind in Europe. The minister said, and I quote, this easily accessible and free of charge online calorie calculator will be of significant benefit to both individual consumers and food businesses across the country in determining the calorie content of their meals, end quote. However, the Restaurant Association of Ireland has said that any legislation which forces businesses to put calorie totals on menus will cost every restaurant €5,000 per annum. A good health initiative, or as the uh, Restaurants Association put it, a waste of valuable time and money for businesses. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard a lot of coverage on this yesterday when this when this story was, I think, more or less released on on, um, on the national broadcaster. And there's certainly quite a bit of uproar about the amount of time and effort that's going to go into, I suppose, pricing for the like, for, the, for want of a better way of putting it, these dishes in different restaurants. However, you know, it is part of a broader, I suppose, policy, if you like, around time tackling obesity. I mean, I know last year there was a lot of coverage around childhood obesity and the fact that something like one in four children in Ireland is obese. But, you know, for businesses, I'm sure it is going to be challenging. However, there there is a bigger issue here, which is that, you know, healthy eating and tackling obesity as as a policy initiative is, is more than just calorie counting. I've actually worked with a business recently who's looking at the whole area of eco-nutrition. I suppose well, green sector has taken quite a lot of uh, precedence um, in recent months and years. And I mean, her view would be that, you know, calories are only one one particular issue to tackle people's attitudes to foods. And, and also, I suppose, around the last few years with the recession, a lot of people have been buying things that are not necessarily very good for them, but are maybe cheaper. So there is I think it's it's just the beginning of maybe broader issues that have to be tackled. However, I would say for somebody who's quite fond of the old restaurants, it is definitely something that will maybe focus your thinking when you're when you're sitting down looking at a menu to see just how many calories are going to be in what you're about to order. So it is a good initiative. I, I do see where a lot of businesses are coming from in terms of time and effort and so on. But, you know, perhaps if it's an, something that's going to be helpful for the consumer, it's worth doing anyway. Yeah, Brian, uh, Owen touched on it there. I mean, this has the potential to perhaps turn customers off eating in, in, in the restaurant. They go in, they see the calorie count, and it might turn them off from, from eating in restaurants. Will it? Here's the thing. You look at it very, very simply. The, the typical professional rugby player would consume 6,000 calories a day. 
you don't see them being winched out of their houses on pick TV on Sky uh, because they can't leave their bedrooms because they're eating 6,000 calories a day. The thing is, they, they eat 6,000 calories a day and they burn it up. You know, it's, you know to, to quote that great philosopher, George W. Bush, yeah. everything in moderation, including moderation. So if you go to a restaurant and you have something that has 4,000 calories, we'll say, you know, it has to be part of an overall regime of exercise or, or keep fit or whatever it is that works for you. And we can't just say everything to do with fitness and obesity is down to calories. And at the end of the day, whilst I'm not exactly svelte, to say the least, you know, if you put in a couple of hours and burn a few calories, you kind of earn the reward almost, I suppose. Hmm. And uh, I suppose you don't, that, you don't sound convinced. No, I I, I I take your point. I think what you're trying to say is that there's a responsibility on the consumer as well as yeah, the, because the one one of the big things in society is is accountability. We you know we're saying oh we don't want a nanny state, but then we want people to count our calories for us and tell us when to walk and when to run and not to smoke and not to drink. You know we've got to take accountability for our own actions. And I think there's too many people out there. Now, not all, but too many people have just turned around and said, oh, it's the government's fault that I'm fat, lazy, or whatever. You know, you have to take responsibility for your own actions also. And this is just one part of it. We're going to move on now to our second story, a question of debt forgiveness, Brian. Debt forgiveness scheme for SMEs battered by the crash is among the proposals to be examined by a high-level working group set up by the government. The plan is believed to be one in which the banks will be asked to cancel some company debts in exchange for shares in small firms, or even small firms, if the debt for equity proposal is taken up. And that's according to sources who are close to the process. The radical plan is seen as a possible way of helping businesses in the aftermath of the property bubble and the collapse in the Irish economy. Now, it's also one of the ideas on the agenda for the new working group in the process of being established under the umbrella of the state-led Consultative Committee on SME Funding. Owen, we talked about this on this show about a year ago. It came up in passing. Where do you stand on this debt forgiveness for SMEs? Well, I think, you know, for starters, there's something that's a bit more imaginative about this approach, which is definitely welcome. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm probably somebody's a little bit cynical about the whole issue of debt forgiveness because I don't really think it'll ever be actualized in, in the sort of way that it would need to be. But I mean, this story, what it actually points to is is perhaps a newer way of looking at how SMEs can cope with a situation where they're, you know, financially not necessarily unviable, but hugely challenged. The only thing that sort of jumps out at me is the fact that and this is, again, my own experience with equity investment, particularly with the high potential startup type businesses. Generally, the business gets to choose who their investor is. So the, the organization that's actually going to invest in them or, or take an equity stake, it's not the case in this instance. Broadly, what they're saying is that it could be the bank that they actually have, you know, the, the debt scenario playing out with that would be, you know, taking a sort of a style of a trade off, which to my mind, I think could pose a lot of issues for SMEs. It would, I suppose, be very much dependent on the terms that might be invoked. But again, you know, we talk a lot about credit. It comes up very regularly because it does appear to be still quite a significant issue for a lot of small to medium enterprises. So something that's looking at things in a little bit more a policy or an objective that looks a little bit more at a more creative or more innovative approach to solving this issue is is definitely still broadly a good opportunity for SMEs, you know. And what about the SME community itself, Brian? How would they accept this? I mean, debt forgiveness for some and, and none for others. I'm going to come back to the first point on this, that someone from the bank 
will actually have a portion of control over a company. So we'll say it's 15%. So we'll have banks up and down the country having to employ people to be directors and non-exec directors and, you know, active people with active involvement in businesses to help run businesses that they didn't set up themselves. That kind of sit, you know, okay, if I was going to be really sensational about this, that sounds kind of like China. You know, the, the state has a finger in the pie of every business. However, this is the issue with debt forgiveness. And it comes back to the other issue of accountability. You know, in terms of debt forgiveness, what we're looking at here is th- those debts will be wiped by the shareholding. That's paying back your debts. That's not debt forgiveness. Am I, am I reading this story wrong then? Because if you have a situation where, say you owe the bank a million and over five years of the bank's involvement with your business, they take back 200,000, that's the million paid. So that, that's, not, that's, that's not debt forgiveness. That's paying back a loan. It's been dressed up as debt forgiveness. Yeah, I think I kind of read it similarly. I think what it comes down to is looking at a new way of shoring up the debt in essence so you know there's we've talked about this a couple of times you know in the recent past around different forms of credit can you extend credit in different ways e.g you know trade finance and various other things I think fundamentally Brian what you're saying is right like it's got to be paid back it's how it's being paid back so instead of having loan payments or overdrafts or whatever might be you know really burdening the business they actually convert that into some kind of like it's almost like an IOU but that there's a time span on it and undoubtedly, there will be some very, fairly substantial levy. So my point actually there is about what are the terms of something like this going to really look like? You know, that's the, ultimately what really, I suppose, the core of the issue is, you know. Hmm. Well, what this is essentially is just a repayment plan. It's not debt forgiveness. And the idea of debt forgiveness is this, in some quarters, sexy word that people want to say, oh, yeah, I got debt forgiveness on. You know, three million because I spent it on a, a unicorn, a skyscraper, and a helicopter made of feathers. But it's okay. I've given him. I've given him a share of my business. So that's fine because I can just go and blow it all, and then give him a share of a business, which is worth nothing anyway. And we'll probably end up liquidating it, you know, yourself, and all this kind of stuff. That that's just that's rubbish because what that does then is it says to the businesses that have had a measured approach, who have taken their businesses along the path steadily, they've created employment and they've done everything by the book. Hey guys. You just carry on being boring and we look after the basket cases and we'll actually give them debt forgiveness. But what this is in this story is debt forgiveness actually dressed up as a debt repayment plan. Yeah, I think you're right. And we're going to move on to our final story of this week. Sharp and take a breath. Sharp and take a breath. We're going to move on to our last story of this week and uh, it constitutes uh, data, Brian. It does. The amount of data being produced will grow 10 times over the next six years, reaching 44 trillion gigabytes by 2020. That's according to EMC's Digital Universe study. That increase in global data will be fueled in part by a rise in the number of sensor-enabled devices, smart products and wireless technologies, and it will also account for 10% of the world's data. The figures were revealed as part of EMC's Digital Universe study, which also estimated that data that was touched by cloud services would double up to 40% by 2020. And almost 200 billion devices could be connected to the internet today. Data from the IDC has shown with 14 billion already communicating through the internet. And that figure is expected to reach 32 billion within six years as the internet of things, as they call it, increases. Yeah, and uh, amongst all the data is opportunities for SMEs. All with information and the image that it produces of the consumer is key now and going into the future as well, do you think? 
Yeah, I, I have to put my hands up and say I actually had to do a bit of research on what the Internet of Things actually is because I'm a bit of a Luddite and I hadn't a clue. Well, the simplest explanation that I've heard from it from before was from a gentleman who said, basically, imagine that there's uh, milk in your fridge and uh, there's sensors in the fridge. And as your milk begins to get low, the fridge actually sends a message to your milkman to say that your milk is getting low and you need new milk delivered to your house. So basically, you're... Uh, fridge is connected to the internet it sends a message and you get milk the next day so uh, without you ever having to pick up the phone or tell anybody so uh, that's the simplest explanation that i've heard of the internet of things so brian talking about nanny state i think we have probably a big brother on the internet (laughs) looking after us as well or looking looking out for what we're doing i got a similar definition myself which was saying that it's about essentially putting internet in things so fridges cars televisions and everything that you can imagine will have some form of internet in it yeah i mean to to answer your question i I think it definitely poses lots of opportunities for businesses around the world and smes particularly in our own country just a little cursory glance online will tell you the amount of investment that's going into it with uh, our nearest neighbours uh, where Michael D is at the moment. Mm-hmm. The uh, the UK government has invested £73 million into it and something like, I think, international investment is somewhere around $1.1 billion. So it's seriously impressive stuff in essence. But I suppose if we were to think about the SMEs in our own country and maybe look at the small to medium sector predominantly, you know, just one of the ways that the Internet of Things can be used is for advertising and marketing, exactly as you say, not to mention things like connecting factories. But I think that could be a long time down the line. From my own experience, I I suppose I find that, you know, you've got a 50-50 balance between businesses that are really, really optimizing the Internet and opportunities digitally. um, And another 50 percent are kind of, you know, sort of not quite stepping back from it, but not really sure how to use it we still see that only about a third of businesses in Ireland actually you know still don't have a website so there's a bit to go there I think in terms of really accessing an opportunity like this but absolutely I mean undoubtedly it's, it's opening a huge global gateway which could provide fantastic opportunities for lots of businesses. Yeah and Brian looking at those figures that, that you mentioned there 14 billion devices now 32 billion in the next six years highlighting the importance of an online presence and knowing your online markets as well. That's an awful lot of photographs of cats, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> no, the Internet of Things is something I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated in. I think the whole concept started off in about late 90s with this device-to-device thing. I remember reading about the whole, you know, we mentioned the milk in the fridge. But, you know, in our simple and humble office, you know, we're part of the Internet of Things because we, we are using a managed print service. So occasionally, a package will arrive in the post with ink cartridges and we'll, we'll all look at each other and say, I didn't know we were out of ink. And within 20 minutes almost of someone printing something, we're out of ink. How did they know? <laughs> so that's pretty much kind of the, the, the very basic business sense of it. But this whole idea of parallel computing and all of that Internet of Things is, is, is immense. And I was listening to an interview with, uh, I think it's Eamon Sinner from Intel recently, talking about the, the, their developments in Ireland and how Intel is playing into the whole concept of the Internet of Things. But if you look at it, it'll make all, it's, it's intended to make all of us more efficient. But it's a huge opportunity for Irish businesses because we've got Intel here, we've got a great IT sector. That's, it seems to be growing exponentially and that we're actually getting a really good reputation for it as well. This is maybe an area we, we can piggyback on. One of our member companies, and I, I know they've been featured on the show in the past, is Vision ID. Mm. And Vision ID are in, involved in what they called they're into RFID and, and a lot, lot more things beside that. But also this concept now they call connected associates, where no matter where you are within the business, you know all your stock, where it is, how you can get it and all this kind of stuff. And the, the, the concept of the Internet of Things is, is just, it's mind-blowing. 
there's no program on, on this radio station or whatever that can do it justice because what it can do is mind-blowing. But also, it does... Okay, if you want someone to take a digital picture of your fridge and send it to you at 3 o'clock every day just before you do your shopping, that, that freaks me out a little bit. But, you know, there's a trade-off. You know, just as, as Facebook's a trade-off. Owen Daw from Irish Business Intelligence and Brian Cleary from Clan Mel Chamber. Thank you very much for your comments and opinions on this week's show. Now coming up in part two, getting more women into technology and science. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.